Bruno was a penalty merchant, now everyone is. Hello FPL Surgery listeners, on this episode we discuss whether we are currently experiencing the craziest start to an FPL season ever. Are Manchester City less of a force without Aguero and Jesus? Can we afford to be patient with Chelsea's big money signings? How do you deal with a bad game week? And we also discuss building team value. Welcome back listeners to episode 188 of the FPL Surgery podcast. We are recording on Tuesday the 29th of September 2020 during the Spurs against Chelsea Carabao Cup match. If you've had a good game week I'd enjoy it and honestly very well done but if you've had a shocker you're definitely not alone. It's time to laugh it off and look forward to game week four. Josh thanks for actually showing up to record. It's okay mate I wouldn't do uh, wouldn't do anything else to you. Did you think about phoning in sick? Yeah, you know, crossed my mind, but I thought, you know, we've all, all three of us have had uh, bad weeks. When I realised um, tonight's tonight's guest had got Salah captain uh, prior to to to, uh, to last night, it you know could have uh, could have been worse, but luckily he only got an assist. So um, we're all in a similar situation going into uh, into this pod. Awesome. And yeah, and like you alluded to, this week's guest, he's a writer for Fantasy Football Hub and has four top 50k finishes, with his best being 9,796th. Please welcome to the pod Luke Wilson, aka FPL underscore equation on Twitter. So how, how's it going, Luke? How's your week been? I think I'm in with a fairly large crowd of wildcarders who uh, it didn't go as well as it could. Could have been worse because I could have had KDB captain, um, but yeah, it could have been better as well. But um, set up for the long run, I think. So all good long term, I think. Yeah, you, I mean, you're definitely, definitely not alone. There was a lot of us, myself included, who used that wild card and cost themselves quite a lot of points. But like you say, the long term, that's the main goal, isn't it? Or we have to keep telling ourselves that. So um, first of all, we're going to go to Alan. So FPL Diagnosis, he's going to quickly run over the stats for the week. And a few. he's got a few bits of injury news as well. Hi guys, Alan here with some stats and some injuries from game week three. We start off with our biggest underachiever, which was Harry Kane, who racked up an XG of 1.48 without scoring. Surprisingly expensive goalkeeper Carl Darlow maybe showed his worth here, putting up 11 saves and getting three save points in the process. This has led to Che Adams finally losing top spot for biggest underachiever so far, although he remains in second place for the first three game weeks with a total XG of 1.28. Biggest overachiever of the game week was Callum Robinson, who netted twice at home to Chelsea for a combined XG of 0.12. Second biggest overachiever of the game week was Jamie Vardy, who scored a hat-trick from a combined XG of 1.95, although he might be slightly peeved at missing out on a hat-trick of penalties, being subbed three minutes before Tielemans took Leicester's third pen. A hat-trick of penalties is coming this season, you just know it. Rhys James was almost a focal point of the Chelsea attack at West Brom this week. The young right-back had the most touches in the opponent's half with 97, put in by far the most crosses with 19, though only five were successful, and he created the most chances with six. Andy Robinson again makes an appearance here, coming second for touches in the opponent's half with 81. And we have two Leeds players sharing joint second place for chances created with five. And another Leeds player and personal favourite of mine, Patrick Bamford, scored his third goal of the season, taking his total XG for the season up to 0.48. Looking at some team stats, we have Tottenham in top for shots with 23, 12 on target. Chances created 
We have Chelsea and Leeds leading the table with 16 each. Moving over to some injuries, it seems the main talking point is the hamstring injury that saw young Min Son being subbed halfway through the game at Newcastle. We know, of course, very little at this stage other than that Mourinho has said that he'll be out for a while. He'll definitely miss game week four away to Man United. Could you hold him over the international break, hoping he's back for West Ham at home? Best case scenario, he has a grade one hamstring injury. According to a study based on the UEFA Elite Club Injury Study, the average time return to play is 18 days for a grade one injury and 24 for a grade two. So there's 21 days between the injury and the West Ham game, and we could have a chance of him returning for that, especially if it's a grade one injury. But we have to remember there are big differences between individuals, sometimes up to two weeks long before returning to play and sometimes of course considerably faster. If you recall Sadio Mane's hamstring injury back in January of last season, by Klopp's quote, we could pretty much know what the grade of the injury was. And this grading requires an MRI. So if you want to gamble on this, you might want to wait for Mourinho's next press conference, hoping he'll divulge some more information. But as things stand right now, it's a bit of a 50-50 if he returns for that game. I can also give you a short update on Jamie Vardy, who went off in his last game holding his groin area. Rogers came out and said it was a hip impingement, and I'm inclined to believe him. It's a chronic issue that Vardy has had problems with before we don't have any record of him missing games because of it and the pain from a hip impingement is actually centered around the groin area so i don't think lester are trying to throw any smoke screens here that's all i have for now folks back to you rich awesome no thank you very much for that alan very insightful as always if we go back now now alan's reviewed the game week if we go through our teams then so luke you're actually the highest scorer this week as you said you've you've used your wild card um i mean how how did it go Oh, I'm feeling for you, boys, if I'm the highest scorer. Um, <laughs> um, how did it go? I Well, so I had Salah captain, which I was kind of a bit nervous about at the start of the game week because I thought De Bruyne was probably going to smash it. Obviously, he didn't. So as the week progressed, I was like, this is awesome. And um, I, I was one of the few people quite excited when Salah was trying to st- steal the ball off Jota and stuff like that near the end. Um, I think the biggest cheer of the, the day for, of the weekend for me was when um, the, the um, Villa goal that they conceded was um, chalked up, well, given back to them. So they'd kept their clean sheet. So Martinez, six points, felt like my biggest win. Um, and Podence not coming, well, not featuring, also got me Bamford off the bench. So... Yeah, it was all it was all right. Um, I'm quite happy with the setup. Pretty annoyed about the sun injury. That was um, really disappointing because yeah, I watched the first half of that game and he looked brilliant. So yeah, he's he's already gone out of my team as is my style. But yeah, all in all, it was I've I've had worse wild cards, but I've I've had a lot better ones as well. It says it all when you're getting really excited about a six-pointer from your goalkeeper. It says it all about the the quality of the game week and the points available to us. <laughs> Not even a save point. That's the sad thing. We're just no. take the six. Take take the six and run. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, and Josh, how how was yours? I mean, obviously you wildcarded the week before. Did you do any transfers? I did indeed. Yeah. So I wildcarded game week two. Um, obviously we went through that uh, last week. Had had a good week, sixty eight. Um, after a 69 game week one so yeah it had two good weeks and obviously there was a lot of people playing their wild cards game week three and with an additional week's knowledge um, 
to me when I played my wild card I, I felt like you know there's a few changes I wanted to make to my team um, so I actually um, did it very unlike me and took a minus eight which is um, not my normal style I'm, I'm quite I'm very hit adverse normally um, so I did um, a Bamiang to Sterling which was my planned move um, I took out Decore um, for Foden um, who I feel like I really should have gone with on wildcard and, and originally was in my um, was in my draft, um, but I bottled it and changed it last minute. So so yeah, went him in for Decore and then um, and then Jimenez for Martial, which was um, needed to fund the other two moves. Um, so week wise, I got uh, 42 minus the eight, so 34 points. Not great. Um, highlights, I think Coleman assisting DCL. That was pretty sweet because I own both. And um, getting Ailings seven points off the bench for opponents. Otherwise, it was not great. How about you, um, mate? Yeah, I mean, even after your hits taken into account, I scored less than you. I scored 33 points on my wild card. And I mean, most of that was on Monday night. Robertson and Martinez doubled my score. I was on 16 points going into Monday with those two to play. Now, I played my wild card and I removed players like Vardy. I removed Kane. I I mean, I removed a lot of points. I've not even worked out what I would have had. But I was much happier with this team than I was with the older team. So, you know, players like Vardy, I, I didn't want. Um, I've got triple City, triple Man City. Obviously, they lost against Leicester. I've got triple Wolves. They got trounced 4-0 by West Ham. And I've got triple Chelsea, who drew with West Brom. So it's not the best of starts from a wild card. But, I mean, I'm happy with my team. Like you guys are, I'm happy with my team ongoing. So, I'm, you know, I'm just going to smile. I'm just going to move on. And, yeah, just got to try and find it funny, I guess. So I just want to say thank you to all of our patrons. And if you want to join the FPL Surgery Patreon, please Google FPL Surgery Patreon. You can slide into our DMs on Twitter or you can go to patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery. A big thank you to Andy Portlock, Vince Poyle, Ron Frosk and Ross from FPL Merch as they are pledging at the very highest tier. So they get this extra special mention each and every week. And now we go back to the headlines. First headline, guys, it, is this the craziest start we've ever had to a season? So I guess we start with the penalties due to that, you know, that we got the new handball rule. We won't go too, too in-depth with it. You know, there's been some very good podcasts, like who got the assist, who, you know, covered the intricacies of it. But Helmo on our Slack channel is asking, with the amount of penalties we are seeing, is a strategy of loading up on penalty takers oversimplifying things? So if we go to you first, Luke, you know, what's your interpretation of penalty takers? Are you looking at loading up on them? Yeah, I think this is always the dilemma of a bit more info, but there's two things for and against it. So if you take what's just happened, I'd be all over like the penalty takers. And there was a great um, fizz flying around Twitter today where they're they're sort of highlighting all of the the key penalty takers for each team. Um, But I also saw a stat, I can't remember it, uh, not a stat, um, a news report that the referees are going to show greater leniency from this week onwards. And I can't remember whether it was Sky Sports or BBC where I saw that, but it was it was a reputable source. So it may be the end of this ridiculous rule. I mean, I, I had a great laugh and I felt quite calm after watching um, one of the games where Micah Richards went apoplectic about the new rule. And it was, um yeah, I, I actually found it quite calming because I was feeling pretty angry about it, not having hardly any penalty takers <laughs> on my team. And yeah, I just think when all of the pundits 
regardless of team and you know Steve Bruce also coming out and slating it even though he's benefited from it um something's got to change um but yeah I, I, it's a it's a ridiculous rule and the amount of penalties that have happened already I mean again some amazing stats out there about the volume of penalties we're going to have we're going to break all records like absolutely smash out the park so yeah for me it's absolutely daft if they don't change it then I think FBL's broken basically you pick 11 penalty takers and that's your done um but yeah we'll see what do you guys think yeah i mean game week one i actually loaded up on penalty takers myself but i thought i had i'd done it wrong so i got players like ward prowse in who actually doesn't take penalties it's danny ings he has taken over on them despite missing the one at the end of last season so i feel like if you're going to do it do it properly and i guess we've got a lot more information now um with players like richarlison taking penalties i mean Josh, what's what's your take on it? I mean, I'm I'm really pleased that they've had the meeting, um, and that they are obviously going to change the way they deal with it. I think the rules there for the season, at least, um, so I don't think that's going to change a great deal. But in terms of yeah, in terms of um, I guess using a little bit more common sense, um, like uh, I think it was the Joel Ward one from the Luca Dean header. I think that was a oh, prime example that they use of one that that wouldn't have stood um uh, Lindelof as well this I'd weekend imagine. yeah so I think I think that's nice to hear um and I think you know with any with, with anything like this um in FPL um it's it's a trend and trends change very quickly so um in answer to to Helmo's question I wouldn't load up and load of penalty takers I think you probably missed the, the the boat with that um a little bit I think really the only the only player or players that have really, really seen it um, since the start of the season. It's obviously Salah game week one and Vardy game week one and three. There has obviously been a lot of penalties scattered around, but those are the only two sort of that I can think of players with, with big hauls that have been really dictated by their penalties. Obviously, Bruno got a late one. But yeah, it's, it's great that we can hopefully move back to slight more normality now um, and not be, you know, making our transfers around, um, you know, who's who's on spot kicks because it's um, not really a game I want to play if that's how it's going to be. It's whether or not we believe them as well, because, I mean, they can say they're going to make changes, but whether it comes off or not, you know, that's another matter. I mean, Vardy's the top scoring, you know, top scoring player in the game because of he's had so many penalties. And I mean, he could have had more if he hadn't been subbed off. I mean, like Luke says, it kind of ruins the game, uh, you know, if, if it does remain like this. And it's a big reason I think I might not make any moves this week. Um, I mean, we've got another question. So we're direct it to you, Luke. So on Twitter, we've got Nuclear Atoms asking who are the best penalty takers to bring into our teams so i i guess do you, what penalty takers do you have and is there any you've got an eye on or are you just completely ignoring it um, no there's a there's a few so i've got Salah and i've got kdb um and um it, it was off the back of some um a, a tweet from last year that hescabo did um where actually if you picked Salah at home and de bruyne at home and um, against the easier team whichever one you got a great captain score so it's it was great when KDB got penalties because it was just a lock. So those two, I think, for me, are essential. I think the other one to add to the mix is Bruno, just with how many penalties Man United seem to get these days. Um, there are a few that sort of then sort of spring up. So Danny Ings, great price, great fixture this week. Kane is probably better value than he's been in previous seasons because the amount of penalties that are coming. Jimenez, I think quite a few have got Jimenez. 
Um, I mean, they're, they're all over, really. I mean, I, I, regardless of the ones that kind of strike me as being sort of a bit left field, but Ricarlison, I was quite surprised that he's got pens at 8 million, or he might be 8.1 now, but I think he's he's a really good shout. And then probably Chris Wood, because I think he's still 6.5, might even be 6.4. Um, uh, probably two that I would look at. I wouldn't touch people like Jorginho, because I think he could lose his place. And I think Le- like Klitsch at Leeds, I probably wouldn't go there either, because um, I just don't think they're going to get that many. But yeah, I yeah. think... The, the bargains are probably Ricarlison and Wood if you really want sort of your budget one. Wilson's the other one, actually. It was good to see him on pens, having sold him on my wild card. <laughs> yeah, and no, of course. I mean, I, I, yeah, I really like the Chris Wood Chris Wood shout, I think, for the price. Because obviously a lot of the ones you mentioned, that they're quite expensive. But Wood, yeah, 6.5. Great run of fixtures coming up. Love that one. I mean, what about you, Josh? I mean, I think in terms of FPL assets who take penalties, I mean, listening to Luke and the ones that he's just gone through, they're all you know, viable assets to consider for your team. They're all good players. That's why they're the chosen penalty taker for their club. Simple as that. But I won't be, I won't be, um, yeah, dictating my, my sort of team and transfers around who takes penalties. I think it can be, you know, if, if there's two players you're deciding between, um, yes, by all means, I think it can be, you know, it can be the deciding factor for sure. I think the other thing that I quite like about, uh, about it at the moment with the way the rules been is I couldn't see myself captaining a non-penalty taker um, at the moment so I ga- captained um, Aubameyang game week one Aubameyang game week two and De Bruyne game week three um, obviously I've had no penalties unfortunately but still um, I think it, it's nice to have your captaincy on one just gives you a little bit more of an you know enhanced chance of uh of, of, of points returns it kind of ruins some players though I mean I've got Sterling in I know you do as well and it's it kind of could be the end of him as an asset I mean I'm going to keep him a couple of weeks but if these yeah. penalties don't regress he's just Same not for worth Mane, the isn't it I mean yeah. I've, I've yeah. always preferred Mane to Salah and I'd, and I'd, and you know I mean if, if if someone else within the Liverpool team was taking penalties I mean I'd be Mane over Salah all day long personally uh, I think he's a much better player um, but with penalties, particularly this season, I think I don't think I'll have Mane in my team unless Salah gets injured. And it's I simple hope, as that. Yeah. He's, um, you know, Salah's, Salah's definitely got the, the you know, the uh, advantage there. How, how do you feel about that, Luke? Because um, obviously you mentioned all the penalty takers. Sterling and Mane, for example, do you think if this trend doesn't stop at the weekend, you won't be bringing players like that in? I think it's all about the price points. Mm. And so for me, there was a, a straight choice, KDB or Sterling. So I think Sterling's got a higher ceiling than KDB because Sterling's got hat-tricks in him. And I know KDB yeah. did that at the end of the season last year, but it's rare that he goes above 20 points. And Sterling, I can remember quite a few because they've always burnt me. Um, and Mane as well. I think if Mane had been 0.5 less, I would seriously consider him over Salah. Um, and... I mean, he looked, Mane looked the best player on the pitch. And again, Sky gave Trent the man of the match on at the weekend. And he was not the man of the match. Mane was, in my opinion. Um, and he, he just looks on fire. And he did this last season as well. He really outscored Salah for the first sort of seven or eight weeks last season. Um, so I, I really like both of them. And there will be a week where, you know, one or other goes absolutely mental and scores a you know a twenty point haul. So I, I I do like them, but I think I like the safety net. It's not just the pens, but I think Salah is 
con- so consistent over the course of the season and De Bruyne are even more so. And I just think that they're safer picks. You know, if I was gambling a bit, I probably would have gone with them. But that that's not really my style when in terms of the players I get in. I'd rather have the, the, the trickle and get sort of a steady 60, 65 points on average a week rather than sort of one week have sort of 30 and, and 70. And it's, it's also a lot better for my well-being going that way. Yeah. <laughs> like the bad weeks. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a good way of putting it, actually. Because, yeah, players like Sterling and Mane, if, you, if you're willing to get them in and captain them, they could be you know huge differentials but it can go horrifically um you know that's as i found out captain isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's the thing that's the thing but they could be massive differentials if people keep going for the penalty takers but like you say it's it's horrible not having salah we've also got um so we've had a lot of big score lines and there's been a lack of clean sheets as well josh so i mean what's what's your take on that do you think that's just because of the penalties or do you think there's something else to it I think the penalties are a factor. I think probably the short turnaround between the end of last season and the start of this season means there's been less of a pre-season. Players are less rested. Um, you know, there were some teams, obviously, who had European campaigns to finish. So I think that's probably, you know, it's probably six and one half a dozen of the other, really, in terms of, you know, what um, is, is the contributing factors, really. Um, and, and again... Like everything, it's a trend, and it'll and it'll and it'll you know we'll see it we'll see a week that will be low scoring soon. I don't know when, but we'll see one, and there'll be a raft of clean sheets, and everyone will be like, "Is it time to go big at the back again?" And you know, it, it, it's just FPL. I mean, like I say, every season there will be every trend will come round, and and uh, you know it will all do full circle. So yeah, I think um yeah I think you know don't. The same with the penalties, you know, don't don't um, don't hang your hat on it continuing because I think that, you know, while it's great to see games where there's four threes and five twos, you know, you know, most weeks you don't even get one of those, let alone two or three. So I think it will return to the norm um, if, if not this week, then definitely after the international break. So just just on the clean sheet. So I I did a massive deep dive into the the previous five years. So prior to last season. So I I, I did a you know a great five thousand plus word essay on um, <laughs> big at the back and then tore it up after game week one. I think it was. Um, but what what's really interesting for me is in the, the so take out last season, but the the five seasons prior to that, there was a there was a real statistical trend. For the first sort of seven or eight game weeks to have high volumes of clean sheets, particularly for the traditional top six teams. And then that sort of dips away during the middle of the season where um, midfielders and strikers seem to be where you want to put your money. And then at the end of the seasons, you, you seem to get a lot more clean sheets. Now, last season, but that trend is the first one because literally the five previous seasons have all followed that trend. And last season was really different. And this season seems to be very, very similar. And so, yeah, I get the COVID bit of it, but I think there's something different. And I, I kind of I, a theory for me is probably that the big teams are so established now that they are just they're just on it from day one and it doesn't really matter with the teams coming up who traditionally were getting more clean sheets at the start of the season they're still getting well they're still conceding a lot of goals and I think also you've got teams like Leeds and um, West Brom are being a bit more open um, whether that's naive or not I don't know but it, it there is there is definitely been a change in the last 
sort of year in a little bit around the focus at the start of the season. Um, so I, I, I will at some point try and look into the stats on that and figure out. But yeah, there's there's been a real change on these clean sheets. So it's quite an interesting one for me. Just to add to that, I was going to say, I think there's been a bit of a change in mentality in terms of teams as well and what they do and how they approach like the top six teams. We were seeing... You know, uh, Leicester uh, on Sunday obviously went into the game with 10 men behind the ball um, and it worked. Let's be honest, it worked. They hit him on the break and they beat them comfortably. Um, but in general, um, you don't expect Leicester to do that normally. And particularly Brendan Rodgers, who's a, normally an attacking manager. But smaller teams or, or bottom half of the table teams going to these top six teams in recent years, have a lot of the time parked the bus, whether it be Newcastle, Burnley, you know, Crystal Palace, whoever. I think you're starting to see teams now having a little bit more of a go at them because they know that if they park the bus against City or Liverpool, they're going to lose. So they might as well have a go at them and try and get a bit of a, you know, um, a bit of a chance of, 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 you know, surprising them and shocking them. And, you know, pretty much like what Leeds did game week one against um, against Liverpool. And I think we've seen that a little bit more from Leeds. I think Fulham look like they could be having a go a little bit. I don't know whether they're doing anything really. Oh, Mitrovic. But, yeah. yeah um, trying. Brighton, Brighton seem to be a team that aren't afraid to have a go. And um, I like that. I like that there is a little because it was going into a period of like, oh, here we go. You know, you know, put 10 men behind the ball and we'll, you know, try and take it and, and, and you know, and, and uh, you know, f- go for a sort of nil nil draw or, uh, or, we'll, or we'll nick a goal for a set piece or whatever. And it was boring, boring football. And yeah, I like it that it's a bit more entertaining at the moment. There's some teams there like you know, Leeds and Brighton who, are, who aren't afraid to have a go. So I think that sort of thing can also contribute to the factor as in like a bit of a change in the sort of systems that that, that these teams approach with. Brilliant. So we'll move on to our to our next topic. So that's our Man City less of a force without Aguero or Jesus. Our first question is from Twitter from FPL Rodney, who's asking, would you still plan to double up on City attack after their performance against Leicester? My plan was to captain Sterling alongside KDB against Leeds this weekend ditch or go through with it so i guess if we go to you first luke um what do you think about man city attack you know without jesus and aguero uh i've i've just trebled up on city attack um so i've gone son to mares um motivated oh, wow. to by uh, team value but um mares look great um if you look at the the, the run-in post covid lockdown City had a couple of really bad results, but then they smashed everybody else. So it, I think it's a case of sort of 25% of the time you, it's going to be the rubbish city that turns up at the moment. God knows why they've done rubbish. That's another thing I'd love to get to the bottom of. But, you know, 75% of them, they are going to absolutely spank teams. And they even spanked Liverpool, didn't they, at the end of last season? So I, yeah, I, I think it could work really well. However, I will tether that slightly the last time I trebled up on City midfield on a wild card I, I dropped from about five or six k um, in in about three weeks to about one millionth um, about two seasons ago so I'm um, I'm hoping that the nightmare doesn't relive itself <laughs> <laughs> well I hope not because yeah I'm tripled up on Man City as well with the three midfielders so, and spent uh, most of the end of last season yeah and Josh has as well so we might all be a bit biased here but 
yeah, I mean, they've been what top scorers the last three seasons, I think. And I don't see that changing. No, I don't either. I don't either. I think um, the Leeds game's interesting. Like I said a minute ago, the way that Leicester set up, 10 men behind the ball. If I'm honest with you, I'm quite surprised it, I'm quite surprised it worked. But then also how bad City's defence is and how great players like Vardy and Harvey Barnes are on the break. You know, um, it was also not surprising to see that it did work, really. But I think I think the issue with that game particularly was that the lack of a Jesus or Aguero, particularly against a team that were going to put 10 men behind the ball, there was no uh, there was no target in the box. Um, you know, you can't, you know, De Bruyne can't come out to the right and target Foden, Mares or Sterling because it's not going to work. You know, they need to be playing balls along the floor or else Sionyu and Evans are just going to be heading every single one out. So I think the um, the plan um, that obviously Rogers had, and I don't know whether that changed once they knew about the Jesus injury or not, um, it, it worked. But I, I'd like to think that against Leeds, it will be a little bit more open, attacking, free-flowing football and from what we've seen from Bielsa so far, we should see one of the best games we, uh, we're hoping to see all season, really. Two attacking teams with great managers going at each other, really. Yeah, I think it could be really high. I mean, it's probably not going to be now we've said yeah. this. but I nil, think that's nil. Gonna, Yeah, it probably will be. But no, I could see this being, you know, there could be, the way things are going, seven, eight, nine goals in this game. And I, I really like the shout that where Luke's gone for Mares. And if it wasn't for Foden being so cheap, I'd have loved to, you know, squeeze Mares in my team. I mean, Luke, so which which three do you have? So you have De Bruyne, Foden. Uh, uh, sorry, De Bruyne. Foden, Mares. Yeah, Mares is the last, and Foden and KDB. Um, wow. I, Alongside Salah, that's a nice midfield, isn't it? It's very nice. Yeah. He's the fifth <laughs> one, or is he at four point five? Foden. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, so if he's back as well, that could be. Um, yeah, It'd be a very nice midfield for this week. This, this is the beauty of playing the team value game. Already, I'm getting better options. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You, you've got Mares, where other people have got Foden. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe not quite that much yet. But well, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm hoping for the end of last season where I had four premiums and the rest of my team was as good as everyone else's. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, just going to the the question though. So there's the question on Captain Sterling versus KDB. Depends for me on how risky you want to be. I think KDB is a real safe pick and I think his expected ownership for this week would probably be well over 100%. So I would, at this stage of the season, I would personally go with KDB. However, if you're a a gambling person, Sterling, let's just say he's due. I know people don't like that phrase, but he probably is due, albeit he's not playing as well as he could. But yeah, I I would personally be captaining KDB. Yeah, I think Sterling's due a hat trick, so <laughs> I was, yeah, I was a Sterling captain last June. week. Yeah, he's <laughs> due. Yeah, due a hat trick, but um, I, th- I think we're all pretty pretty set on Man City here. It sounds like so. We're very biased. Yeah, yeah, three but three players I mean, with three trip, we're all with a triple up. It uh, can't be anything else. But that, I guess that's why we've all bought three Man City in because we think they're gonna, you know, absolutely destroy Leeds. So fingers crossed. Um, actually, there was another question. FPL Fox wants to hear me praise Brendan Rodgers for the hour. So we'll move on to topic three. Uh, can we afford <laughs> to be patient with Chelsea's big money signings? So we got a question on Slack. Werner stick or twist so obviously while we're recording we've just found out Werner's scored a goal um, against Spurs so Josh with Werner what are you thinking I think stick um, because 
Next two are home to Crystal Palace, home to Southampton. And I think it's really the game week five game at home to Southampton, who played a high line against Spurs. Werner would be all over that. On top of that, um, and I'm, I'm not saying Southampton are going to make the same mistake again. You, you'd like to think they wouldn't, but they made that same mistake in that game four times. I think the other thing is um, game week five, we should have uh, Zayac and Pulisic back. So you should see a full-strength Chelsea team with the new keeper in goal, and therefore it's probably the best time to judge. Um, so I think, yeah, personally, give them the next two. You might have to suffer a price drop or two, but give them the next two, and then they've, and then we've got United away and that's probably the time that if he's not done much over those two games, get rid of him then. Brilliant. And Luke, you've also got Werner. Uh, I sold him on Saturday night. Not rage for it. It was, he was dropping. Jimenez was going up. So um, banking the money. Um, it, that wasn't my main motivation for it. I, I normally start a season with a rule of anybody new to the league. I don't get them in my team. But he was so highly owned, I saw it as a major risk to not go with him. Um, so my tactic with with Werner and all the the other new Chelsea signings is now going to be I'm going to wait until they've shown that they've they've hit form for at least two or three weeks and then I'll bring them back in hopefully at a discounted price but um, yeah so I I've twisted um, I think many people will be rewarded for holding him at some point in the next two or three weeks um, but. I'm not that patient a manager, so he's gone. <laughs> no, I mean, you say at some point, I mean, it could be weeks away. Um, and as someone who likes their team value, I remember holding Pulisic last season and I lost about 0.6 million on him. So I hope it's not the same situation. And I've also got Werner and I am keeping, but I do have a rule like you where I try and avoid players new to the league, but then I fell for Werner and Havertz and went back to them again on wildcard. So... I'm just hopeful, but I'm not going to be as patient as Josh. I mean, if if he blanks in the next game, I think he's gone. Um, I want Harry Kane back, who we know is definitely on penalties. Question from KVIGFPL, who's also asking Werner hold or sell, but they're saying that, you know, he could be penalty taker when Jorginho is not on the field. However, it looks like Pulisic won't be fit to start game week four. So do we think he's on penalties, Josh? I'd say it was likely. Um, if Jorginho is not playing, I'd say it'd be, and he shouldn't now because Kovacic is back. So it should be Kante and Kovacic. It should be Werner or Havertz. Um, and I'd say I would put my money on Werner. Just think he's already a little bit more settled. He's slightly older. You don't want to put too much on Havertz's shoulders. He's only 21. So, um, yeah, I, I think it'll be Werner, personally. It would be nice if there was a penalty tonight in the Carlin Cup, just so just so we know. But we, I yeah. just have to... Havertz is on the pitch, though. Well, he didn't oh. start. So, oh, so, um, so we might not even know. Because, I mean, this has uh, been interesting where we find... Uh, to go back to penalty takers again, where we've been finding out the penalty takers, you know, over the weekend. You know, it, it does really, really help. But I think you've both given good answers there, as in, you know, reasons you can sell, reasons to keep. I think none of us really know. And I guess we're holding and hoping because, you know, they've got a couple of pretty good fixtures. You know, he could be on penalties and, you know, he's a highly rated player. So I I can honestly understand people selling. For me, it's more, though, game week five, like I said, rather than game week four. I think Palace are tough. You know, they've, they've always had a, in recent years, they've always had a good record against the top six um, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat us on uh, the weekend at Stamford Bridge. It's more 
that I think game week five is a really good fixture at home Southampton. And with everyone back then, that's when it's a better time to judge and judge yeah. him. I think if people selling, watch him and his points, obviously, against Palace on, on the weekend, they may not regret it. But I think they may come to regret it game week five against Southampton because I think there'll be a lot better moving for you know, going forward attacking wise. You just get involved in Luke's worst nightmare, though, don't you? Whether where the player starts dropping in price, you know, if he doesn't score against Palace, which I agree is. And then you've got the whole easy. two weeks of the international break of watching him just drip money out of your team the whole time. <laughs> yeah, while there's definite penalty takers, you know, around the same price with players like and Ings, Jimenez, Danny Kane. Ings, yeah, Danny Ings at home to West Brom or Jimenez at home to Fulham, who, yeah. you know, are a million cheaper. I think we can't give a clear answer to this one. I think it's, you know, you just got to go Go with what you go with your gut, really. Yeah, I think it's team uh, dependent, and also I think you know if 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 it's if it's a question of Werner out or rolling, I think you know going into the first international break with the end of the transfer window, I think you know not to mention you know it's, uh, you know loads of players flying abroad to play international games, coronavirus, etc. I don't think you can you can deny that having two free transfers going into game week five is arguably a better thing to have in your hand than, you know, Ings over Werner this week or Jimenez over Werner this week. It just depends what else you're looking to do with the money exactly. or what else you might have planned game week five, really. Especially rolling after a bad game week, which I guess moves us on to our fourth topic, dealing with a bad game week. We've got a question on Twitter from FPL Truman. Is this key skill of patience lacking in the current game and costing FPL managers chasing? Or do you think it's due to bad luck? So if we go to you, Luke... Um, obviously, you had a, the best game week on this, you know, on this podcast, but it, it wasn't great. I mean, it's not a vintage uh, score. Um, you're asking the wrong person about patience in FPL. That's true, actually. So, <laughs> I, I have no patience. I yeah, I, I made a transfer literally a minute after the last game finished, and um, then took a hit literally the minute after the Liverpool game finished because I like my team looking the right way and I don't want to miss any price changes at this stage in the season so for me I'm not chasing point I'm never go chasing points what I'm chasing at this point in the season is the the rare two or three um, point mil rises and especially if you're selling another player that can be the difference between half a million between the player you've got and the, the the player you end up with, and me and I think Jossie's uh, the other person who's who's kind of a kindred spirit on this, and I can't tolerate not having the team I want when I could have had it. So I'd rather spin the dice and just just get the player in I want early doors. So yeah, I mean it's I mean it's worked for you as well. So I mean it. The question obviously says, you know, is it a key skill? But it shows there's more than one more than one way to play the game, you know, with with the way you play being different to maybe the way someone like, I don't know, Josh, I mean, the, the way you play. I mean, I'd say you're quite patient. You wait until the last minute, even if it costs you money. Yeah, I know. I'm definitely uh, always Friday transfers. Um, I think with, with dealing with a bad game week, really, I think um, it's it's obviously the perfect week to uh, to touch on this, hence why we are. I feel like the best way we're dealing with is, 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 is switching off. Obviously, we had a, we had a bad weekend um, and we were going into Monday night. It was the uh, Villa v Fulham, or sorry, Fulham v Villa, I should say. I had Martinez playing in that game. And then um, Liverpool v Arsenal, all I had was, uh, was TAA. And um, I just switched off, basically. I just switched my phone off uh, well, turned my, you know, turn the internet off 
and I just um, spent the evening doing uh, doing other stuff, and then just checked the scores at uh, at ten o'clock once both games had finished, and um, that was my way of sort of you know just taking a step back from FPL. And I think you know if if you're if you've had a bad week and you're frustrated with it, you know it's it's quite I find the best way to do it is just to put it to one side, switch off, come back to it on Friday you know, the day before the the next game week starts and then revisit it. You've got a bit of a clear ahead, you've calmed down and uh and then you can you can, you know, revisit it. Yes, you might have suffered a couple of price price drops during that period, but you're probably gonna make a lot better decision a few days later with a clearer head than you are um as they call it, rage transferring out players yeah. on the Sunday or Monday night. So you just sweep it under the carpet, you just ignore it, and then um, come back with a come back with a fresher head. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I think um, you know, there's, 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 there's different ways to play the game. Obviously, you know, um, the question that FPL Truman was just asking about the patience, um, you know, um, versus essentially, you know, doing what Luke does and and, and correcting something straight away and, and chasing the uh, the value and the and the price rise. The, it's two different ways to play the game. I just I just feel that for me, time is is so important when it comes to FPL, and that I think that majority of the time, um, the decision that I make on the Sunday night or Monday night, if there's a Monday night football, will probably be different to the decision that I would have made on the Friday, the day before the game week starts. Not to mention that there's midweek football, you know, Carabao Cup or Champions League or whatever. And then there's obviously the added issue of coronavirus at the moment. We saw, you know, Ilkay Gundogan went, um, got it a couple of weeks ago and Thiago Alcantara's got it at the moment. And, you know, David Moyes and a couple of the West Ham players. So you don't know. It could be one of your players next or it could be a player in in that team that impacts your thoughts and feelings about buying a player or or selling someone or whatever. So yeah, I think I think I like I like to have time and do things rationally and I know that's a really boring way to look at it but yeah, I feel it like it's a more methodical and better way for me to play the game personally. <laughs> I think I flip between what both of you do as in I'm I think I lean more towards Luke at the start of the season. I, I am trying to build a bit of value. Um I am doing I doing my transfers early and I play quite aggressively as in I captain Sterling this week for example. I tripled up on three teams and it went wrong. So I, I think now times like this once I've had a bad game week I might take a bit more of a approach that you do Josh and just step back. And just I'm, I might actually just leave my team completely this week because, you know, I've got burnt. But I feel like in the long run, I might have done the right thing. So I think there's definite different ways, different ways for us to play. Yeah, so, I think um, I think the other thing about it is, is um, I find on the very odd occasion when I've made an early transfer, you're just sort of twiddling your thumbs until uh, the game week starts. And um, I do quite like, you know, looking at what the options, tinkering, thinking about my team, what that, or how that will impact, you know, if I make that transfer, how it will impact my team for the following week and stuff. Yeah, from from my perspective, I think there's, there's, there's probably a couple of things here. So, for, in fact, three things. So from my personality type, right, I, I find it harder to look at, my team that's just done badly particularly a player that I don't want in my team mm. being there staring me in the face every time I look at my at the, at the app or my phone 
thinking, why is he still there? So for my own mental well-being, it's much easier to have a player that I like the look of in my team. <laughs> um, it makes me feel nice, nice warm. So I actually, for me, my own personal well-being, doing the transfer early means I don't have to look at that rubbish team and I've already moved on mentally. Um, holding the transfer doesn't allow my personality type to move on. Um, I think the, the other thing is that it, it is the bad game weeks can be quite, you know, actually going a bit deeper on it. There are some there's a few bigger accounts where they've they've really struggled with with the issue and the impact that FPL can have. Um, so for me, like, I, th- I think it's about getting it into perspective because I am obsessed as much as any of us are with it. But I think the ability to to sort of step back and make sure there are other things going on in my life and sort of you know chucking myself into whatever the kids are doing or or work or whatever uh my missus always tells when i've had a bad fbl week whether i tell her or not but um you know but i I do feel i've I've, as i got a bit older i've been able to deal with it a bit better but one of those things for me is is not looking at the player i don't like who i really want out so i bet you're still there refreshing fpl statistics though (laughs) i don't need to i'm not making any more moves this week so i don't need to so i've i've done it because i've got the i've got the price rises and if anything i know werner's going to drop again so you know good luck boys we start rising again but um like havertz with his hat trick last week but yeah, yeah it got to the point it got to the final bit i'll make on this you know it got to the point on sunday where the week was so bad i ended up going to my friend's house watching nfl and i saw that jimenez had scored an own goal and i think normally it would annoy me but the week was so bad i actually found it quite funny Obviously, my friends found it quite funny as well because I had Jimenez. And I think sometimes you've just got to be able to, yeah, try and enjoy it. You know, if you're going to have a really bad week, it might you might as well have a very, you know, funny bad week, if you see what I mean. Our final headline is team value building. So we're probably going to hand over to you here, Luke. But we've got a question on Slack from Jay Roz. He's saying, can you please discuss the price changes for the, for this year? I feel there's been very little upward movement, but huge amounts of drops. If it's harder to build large transfer value this year, are making moves before predicted price changes more or less important? So as one of the experts alongside Jossie, what do you, what do you think, Luke? Um, so is is it different? No, this is, is it's almost a carbon copy of what we've seen in the previous four seasons. There was a big change about four or five years ago. Um, so price changes don't happen quite as much as they used to, believe it or not. But in, basically in game week three, four and five, you're looking at between about 120 and 140 price changes. So that's 140 individual players that will have a price change. Now, the, the really interesting things over the course of the, the um, season, the volume of people who go up in price stays fairly consistent that there's about 20 rises a week. But at this period of the season, the volume of people dropping is huge. So it's almost a ratio of five to one. So for every one who goes up, you've got five players dropping. Um, and and the, the, the logical reason for this is everybody's got lots of different players and the threshold for lower owned players from what I can understand. I've tried to reverse engineer the FPL algorithm, by the way, on this, how sad I am. <laughs> I'm not um, surprised. But the, um, the, the reason for this is the threshold is done both by volume and percentage. And so when you've got lower owned players, if you lose 50% of the ownership on those players, they will drop. And the reality is only a few players like DCL, for example, this year and um, Bamford, for example, people who've scored big early doors who are cheap, people absolutely pile in on them. And so you might have six players who've all 
done badly as a striker and everybody piles in on Bamford, for example, they're all going to the same move. But the way the price changes work in terms of going up is that as a result of that, there is a cap. And once it's gone up, so say you get 0.1. So let's say you get the threshold is broken by, let's say, 300% because DCL scores a hat-trick like he did. Um, It will go up. But once he's gone up, that threshold's reset. So all of those people who've transferred in, all of those transfers no longer count for the next rise. And I also think getting the the second rise in a week is harder. So the, the, the threshold to go up again makes it even harder so the reality is there is, there is no difference from previous seasons um, and I've proactively targeted game week three for my wild card purely to build my team value so I think I'm on 101.7 um, maybe 0.8 now and it's literally from piling in on all the players that are going up in value and still getting a team I like Blimey, um, I was, that's mad because I, I wild card at the same time and I got, <laughs> I've got 101 I think but I didn't keep players like DCL so maybe that's why yeah i so i it's the rare occasion where i make all my transfers on the final saturday morning so i i just literally piled in on all of my players now for those of you who haven't played your wild card yet this week game week four if you've activated it and to make maximum value out you needed to do it on saturday you this is traditionally the highest volume of transfers you'll get for the season um but also game week five is a significantly high game week but from weeks six seven and eight onwards you're going to drop to to maybe 40 percent the level so you're going to get about 80 transfers a week from where we are at the moment which is about 120 140 so it's quite a you know this is the time if you want to build team value wild card like last week this week or the week after beyond that kind of forget about team value and you, you kind of need to be playing the, the patience game and make your transfers later but yeah, so it's 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 an interesting one. But um, is, is it harder to build large team value than last year? I don't think so. I, I mean, I come Christmas, I I was almost well, I was about 108.5, I think, around Christmas. Um, and I would be very surprised if I'm not in the same ballpark. Now that there will be some nuances. So if a few players that have risen start falling off a cliff, then they're going to drop, and so I'll have to sell faster. But I, I think it's the same game that we've had for the last four years. I don't think FPL have invested particularly because they haven't had time to kind of invest in the infrastructure. So I don't know why they would faff around with the team team value metrics. Yeah. Can't believe that you said 100, 101.8. 101.8. So, yeah, it was 101.6 on Saturday. And I think Werner's dropped. Jimenez has gone up. So that would be another point one. Finally, interesting. Like I almost feel like, wow, who, who have you gone for to get to that i'm just looking at your team now obviously calvert lewin and bamford i can see that's two people that's, yeah have risen a lot yeah, and so then i'm guessing you got sun in at 8.9 that went up to 9.1 yeah and i sold him i would be higher had i not sold him i've got martinez just gone up lamptey's due bamford's due mitchell's due jimenez's due dcl's due uh mares may he's halfway up um salah's halfway up kdb's going up again probably Sace is holding like James is I mean he's Chelsea's best player if you ask me so he's he's underpriced if he keeps that spot so yeah. I've got a team where I mean Foden's another one he's gone up 0.1 but he's he's underpriced so I've kind of filled my boots with players that are either really on form or underpriced and I mean I'm just sticking with it and I'm just 
playing the game, but I'm I'm not adverse to taking hits. Albeit last year was probably the season I had the least hits I've ever taken with the highest team value I'd ever got. So, how many how many hits did you take last season? Uh, nine nine hits in total. And, but um, in, in general, you you would take. But I'm presuming you take a hit because you want a player, not just because they're going up in um, money. There's there's two reasons. So there was some really good research by a few people like FBL Review and FBL Strategic um, who put the value, the, the team value. So for yeah. every one million of team value you've got on the average, that is worth half a point per game week. And so I worked out when I when I had my team was about point well six million above the average that was worth sixty points to me over the course of the season, and I mean the uh, I actually did do the, you know the FPL review where you can check how lucky or unlucky you were. Mm-hmm. Um, I I plugged in my team on that, um, so I had minus thirty eight percent luck, and had it gone the way things should have done, it predicted me to finish in the top three hundred in the world with the team I had because my team value um, and I, I did actually bet against a lot of the outcomes. So my midfield was KDB from memory, KDB, Sala, um, Bruno, and I think I had Sterling, I can't remember, but I had another, another sort of 10, 11 million pound player in as my four midfielder. And then I had TAA, I had Van Dyke, I had Doherty as my three at the back. I had Edison in goal um, and then I think I had Jimenez, I can't remember, Jimenez, Kane were my two strikers. So I had a ridiculous team and I just got, I th- I kind of felt unlucky, but I bet against my players. So I made quite a lot of money <laughs> from betting against it, paid, paid for all my FPL debts anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of those teams I see on Twitter and I'm just instantly jealous um, because I had awful transfer value last year I just remember seeing teams like yours oh um, and it's just yeah it does make a big difference you know having those extra millions one final thing do you use a certain website to track uh, them yeah. do you find one more accurate than others yeah so I so there's two really good ones so FPL statistics um traditionally is seen as more accurate um but you've also got um the the fix site as well um and I so I look at both so if somebody's rising on both, I'm 100% getting them in. Or if they're falling on both, like you guaranteed. And they are slightly different. And I think some of the times statistics is better. Um, some of the times fix is better, to be honest. And we've, we've had a recent um, one. So for me, it's if, if on either of the sites, your player is looking like they're going to go up and you don't have the flexibility, then get them in um, would be my idea. Because mm-hmm. um, personally... I can't stand it when I've missed out on a player that I could have bought. And I know certainly for the the hub group that I'm in, um, tail end of last season, there were, there were quite a few um, sort of reflections on actually I should have gone early on the early season moves. And I, I, my, you know, I think the one key bit of advice for me is at this stage of the season, yes, yeah, some people are going to get injured and things like that, but the, the advantage you can get by having even just, you know, 1, 1.5 extra million in the bank at the tail end of the season can be the difference between, I don't know, having Chris Wood or having Jimenez, for example. And I'd much rather have Jimenez. Wood's a good player, but I'd rather have Jimenez. And if you take it to extremes like I do, it's it's the difference now between having Podence as my fifth midfielder or Mane. Like there's <laughs> no debate. So for me, <laughs> yeah. and it, it and, and actually like you like you guys, as soon as I get to the Christmas period, my game completely changes. So it's all about price now 
But once I get to the sort of the, the second half of the season, it's all about making sensible moves because there isn't the money to make in the second half of the season. You're only going to make the, the team value now. So, yeah, but both both sites are invaluable. Like I, I couldn't do it without them. I can just picture you waking up at like four in the morning and checking the price rises and be like, oh, I should have should have done it. I've missed out on one there. No, I never say I should have done it. I've learned from that. (laughs) But do you wake up at four in the morning and check the prices? I'd love to say that never used to happen pre kids, but now I'm so tired. I um, yeah, I I sleep like a baby now. But um, yeah, the pretty much first thing I do actually is check if if there's any players that I'm interested in. I check who's who's changed just more out of interest. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, now I think it's time because I've just had a, a message on on Twitter from the Iceman. It's time for the Iceman's piss. Welcome back, listeners. So we're moving straight on to our questions. So we've got on Slack, Helmo's asking, Jota, Liverpool, 6.3 million. Now, is Jota a bit part player or could he be the real deal? So we go to you first of all, Josh. What are you thinking? Bit part player, without a doubt. Uh, yeah. Until either Sana Romane move on to, you know, Barcelona or Real Madrid or whatever, he, he won't get the game time to be a viable FPL asset. Um, maybe if one of them gets injured, he could be an option at that price. But he also uses up a Liverpool spot, so yeah, not for me. What What do you think, Luke? I mean, do you think he's more of a risk to Mane and Salah's minutes, but not nothing more? He wasn't a risk to Jimenez at Wolves, so he wasn't a risk to Traore. So like, no chance. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, ha- I have to agree. I have to agree with both of you there. I think he's one. Yeah, I can't really see a situation where you'll get him unless there's unless there's an injury. So we move on to Xavier's question. Who's asking, is Timothy Castagna this season's John Lundstrom? So, I mean, he's 5.5 million, so he's quite a bit more expensive. Um, but we'll go back to you, Luke. I mean, what, what do you think about Castagna? Is he one you're jumping on for price rises? No, he's too too high. No chance. Um, Lund- Lundstrom was an anomaly because he was 4 million and out position and, you know, outperforming what he should have done so very very different player I think don't don't get me wrong I think he's a good player in a good team but he's worth his value Lundstrom was worth a lot more than he was priced at so they're they're not comparable in my opinion no they're very different price points um yeah I hate Lundstrom so Josh we'll give you the next question so I've from Bard I've got a question for the Helmo section what is the ideal snack and beverage combo when you're watching your Monday night captain? I can't eat, if I'm honest with you. can't eat when I'm watching uh, my captain. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> I know it's a weird answer, but it's just true. Oh, it's a weird it's, question, to be fair. <laughs> there's, nothing, there's nothing going through my head. I mean, I'm not, you know, if, uh, if, if he's bad to hat trick, by all means, I'll go and, you know, might go and get myself uh, something out the fridge or whatnot. But um yeah, most of the time I'm just too focused on the game. Food and uh, food and drinks uh, got to take a back seat. <laughs> and, and Luke, what what about yourself? Is there an ideal snack and beverage oh, combo? Yeah, I, I lived the dream. I got to. I got got three kids, and so match of the day is a rarity for me. My wife was away, so I got a cheeky kebab and a can of Rio. 
happy days oh nice <laughs> nice yeah that, see that's my kind of snack but may, maybe a beer in a kebab but yeah <laughs> perfect um, so we move on to questions from twitter so claude huel i mean it's not really a question it's wolves what um but i guess i mean it's obviously they lost four nil against west ham you know the team we were saying you know they have the best defense or one of the best defenses in the league what are you thinking about wolves josh i think it was just a bad day at the office really um i don't think it was anything major to worry about i think nuno's a great manager i think he'll shove some rockets where they need to go this week during training and I think, you know, you've got to give some credit to West Ham. It's not all about Wolves not, not, not doing well. I think you've got to give some credit to West Ham. And West Ham are one of those teams, a bit like Palace, um, where you don't really know what's going to turn up each week, really. But they can always cause a, a big upset. And they do look quite good at the moment. Um, so, yeah, good for them. And hopefully we see Wolves back uh, to full strength and uh, home to Fulham this week. Yeah, the match doesn't get much better than this week. I mean, if they lose 4-0 to Fulham as well, I think that's when we should start, you know, that's when we should start panicking. We'll move on to a question for for you, Luke, then. So from Jamie Dodd. Now, Jamie's asking, small up top, so Bamford, Mitra and Wilson with a beefier midfield or big up top, so Calvert-Lewin, Jimenez and Ings. I mean, I'd argue that's not even that big. You could look at Kane or Werner uh, with a slightly less beefy midfield. So are you looking at spending money in attack or in midfield at the moment? Uh over time, so again, this is what I, I I will be moving to either five four one or four well or four five one long long term. But right now, team value wise, I'd be going for sub eight million strikers who are in form. So I wouldn't be touching Mitro really. But I think Bamford, Wilson, DCL, if you want to make money. But I think they're all good. All of them are good picks. I think I, I personally don't want Mitro because I've been burnt by his red card shenanigans in the past. Um, yeah. But I think any combination of those five, even six, is a good combination. And it allows you a good midfield or a good defence at this stage in the season. So I, I like all of it. I would be steering clear of the, the premium strikers, though. I think all of those are better value than most of the premiums. Why the one up, one up front uh, formation? What's What's the thinking behind that long term? I think all the so I've done a huge amount of deep dive analysis into points per million. So my my background is in the Telegraph game. So for nine of your starting players, all you want is the best value. So you don't need the best players. You need the best points per million from those players. Mm-hmm. And if you think people like Trent and Robbo are 200 point players, Ings to have a good season while well, having a good season is sort of 160, 180. He's more expensive than those two. So why wouldn't you just get a dead weight 4.5 million who's going to sit 15th on your bench and have those Trent and Robbo points and score yourself 40 points more for the season? So mm-hmm. I think the value is further back in the team. So if you get those those kind of attacking wing backs, so Trent, Robbo, Doherty last season, if you had those three, you've effectively got three additional attackers um, who get clean sheets. So um, yeah, I will be going for the the best budget striker I can get at top up top for the second half of the season and I'll I'll have one crappy-ish player um like Bamford sorry if I call any any offense there so not the best <laughs> striker but um he's he's all right and he's a he's, good first he's sub. <laughs> but but 
the you know there's that that other that third striker slot for me is long term it's a dead one right now it's a money making scheme but yeah long term that, that I, I play with two strikers one of which will sit on the bench most weeks it's interesting for me because yeah because I started with Kane Vardy and Werner so I actually went for like the complete opposite strategy of you I mean I guess one thing I could say is if penalty takers, you know, if the penalties do continue, you know, players like Kane and Vardy, maybe even Werner, they, I mean, would they still not tempt you if the penalties well, continue? If you at can same get, well, what, why? Because you can get, you could get on that basis, you get Mitro, Wilson, and um, I don't know, Rickarlison or Ings for a fraction of the price. You've still got three penalty takers and all you, all you take is any, any player to aim for an arm at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, so, I would still imagine they get less penalties, even though actually Kane never seems to get penalties you know, at, at the moment. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah you, yeah, you, you raise a good point. No, because it just shows we went for completely opposite strategies. But it's also interesting that I had Kane. He's not gone up in value, whereas like Bamford, you made quite a bit of money on him but our, our next question is actually from Pingreen. so he's asking about the mid price strikers so Jimenez or Ings so obviously both are on penalties um I mean Josh would you have a preference between those two for this game week I think they've both got brilliant fixtures obviously Jimenez is at home to Fulham Ings is at home to West Brom um looking at game week five Ings is away to Chelsea when we should be full strength by then couple more games under our belt as well um Jimenez has got a slightly better fixture run so outside of Jimenez hopefully we're seeing angry wolves as well um after their defeat to West Ham and what what about you Luke there's not much to pick I, I fancy Ings a bit more this week but I've I've brought in Jimenez I think he's as I talked about earlier I'd rather have that consistent tick along he never scores braces really but he, he, he's a sort of seven to ten points a week guy and I like that in my team because I'm never captaining either of them. So I'd rather have someone like that. I agree about the captain, by the way. I mean, I'd never captain Jimenez um, ever. I, I know a lot of people are this week. But for me, I mean, I, just, I couldn't captain a player like that. But FPL Wilson. So you've kind of touched on this already. But he's saying about the, the Liverpool defenders. So you can have you can go for Trent and Robertson, you know, over the midfielders and strikers, especially with Thiago as a midfield anchor. So I guess you've touched on that already, Luke. But I mean, is is that something you're very hot on? Then? My my aim is to have Trent and Robbo in my team for at least half the season. I wish I had one of them now. I've got Virgil, who's equally good because he's got the goal threat. He could have had an assist and a goal this week. Um, but yeah, the ideal is both. I would I would say I'd, I'd well, love to have both in my team. What about all three then? Uh, I like so purely because of the captaincy. I like having Salah or Mane because I think they are two of the best, probably five players in the league. And I think having a premium, like, so I'll always have two expensive premiums who I think are the best two players in the league. So there's a load you can pick from, but I, I, I wouldn't want to captain a defender. I know some people do, and I have done it in the past, but yeah, I'd far, far rather have Mane or Salah as my captain and those two at the back. Is that why, actually, so just going back to, we obviously we were talking about strikers a second ago, the premium strikers. Is it because you're so, you know, you want to co- captain Salah and De Bruyne that you wouldn't captain someone like Kane, Vardy, Werner? Is that why you're more likely to go without them? Uh, yes, and okay. it comes down to if you've, if you've got a player over 10 million and you're not going to captain them at least 50% of the time, what's the point of having them in your team? Because there's better value players. So I, No, I agree with that, actually. I mean, that's why I've gone without yeah. Salah. That's why I've got with that. And I think, Josh, you're the same. 
I'm always um, the same. I, I'm, I agree with Luke in that I think you always need two premiums in there. And obviously you're going to have two in there that have got a good fixture run at that uh, at that time. Um, but I always feel, yeah, anyone that's, um, you know, in the premium price category that you're not captaining, then then what's the point in having them in your team? And, that, and that's my argument for why I wouldn't really be bothered about having Bruno um, this season. I feel like um, that there will be spells when he's the second premium alongside more than likely KDB in my team, but I won't have him over a, a, a long period. Brilliant. And what about Trent and Robertson? Obviously, you've got Trent at the moment, Josh. Would you look at, are you or are you looking at getting a second one? Yeah, definitely. I, it was always my plan. I just felt like it wasn't that easy to do from the off this season because of the amount of um, premium players and, and, and whatnot there were to look at. Um, and, and and how many sort of decent options the likes of Jimenez and Ings and mm. that had all risen in price. So I, I felt like it was I needed to get to the point where I could see an opportunity and then would move for both of them. I also it's also about the fixtures. You know their fixtures haven't been amazing. Um, you know they've kept one clean sheet in three so far. You could argue. They were lucky there as well because um, they were obviously playing against 10 men for most of it against Chelsea. They also, Allison saved a penalty, so they could have quite easily have not had any clean sheets so far. Um, I expect them to keep one against Villa this week. Um, but then, you know, yeah, then then after the Everton game, it starts to get good. Sort of game week six onward, excluding um, Man City and game week eight. I think that's, that's a nice run where... Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely ride both of them all the way through. Just got to find where that money's coming from um, to uh, to upgrade one of my other defenders. That's the difficulty. Obviously, being on wildcard last week, it's just finding the money to have both. And I mean, I think if you do it, you've got to show patience. Sticking with it if it starts to fail. I also started to think maybe Wolves could start to match Liverpool. Obviously, that sounds ridiculous now, um, but that's how I felt, you know, before the weekend. So yeah, so we'll move on to our to our feedback. So Tom Horner said, "Great stuff, guys. Some very interesting points, especially on Spurs. Bring on game week three. Up the pod." Yeah, so I mean, game week three, Tom. It wasn't it wasn't the best, but thank you for your feedback. It is appreciated. Partner chat, Mikhail Tokram's algorithm. If you'd like to sign up to that, go to patreon.com forward slash transfer algorithm. Now, every week he sends a bit of feedback about Iceman's team. Normally, it's where the Iceman's ignored it um, completely. So his feedback this week to the Iceman. With one free transfer in the bank and 0.5 million to go with it, replacing Son is your only option this week. I told you to get Rashford last week, but you didn't listen. See, um, now now I'm telling you again, it's your best move and it increases your BCV by 0.21. So Iceman, your move is Son to Rashford. We are also partnered with Fantasy Football Hub and have been given the exclusive sign up code of Surgery15. So if you go to fantasyfootballhub.co.uk, you can sign up there for 15% off. Just use the code Surgery15. We are also partnered with FPL Doodles, who is at FPL Doodles one on Twitter. And he does the artwork for the pod release tweet each and every week. So thank you very much. Now we're moved swiftly on to Traptins. So, Josh, what's your transfer and who's your captain? Really boring this week. Um, rolling my transfer is this plan. Um, hoping that Podence is back and starting. If not, I guess that's the only issue that I could 
foresee because my bench is pretty weak this week. But yeah, plan is to roll and sticking with Captain uh, KDB. A bit boring, but never mind. <laughs> and um, Luke, what about yourself? Who's your who's your, tra- <laughs> who's your captain and who's your transfers? Uh, captain will go down to the wire at Salah or KDB. Uh, may even punt on Mares actually, but probably wow. Salah or KDB. Um, and transfers have already made. So Werner's gone, Jimenez has come in, and Sun has gone, and Mares has come in for a minus four. Brilliant. And mine, I'm also looking like a bit like Josh. I'm going to save my transfer. I've got triple Wolves. I've got triple Chelsea. I've got triple Man City. They've all got good fixtures. They were part of my plan for the wild card. And I mean, I still think they're good teams. So I'm just going to try and roll. If Podence doesn't play, Lamptey can come in. You know, he looks amazing, actually. We've not even mentioned him. He, he looks incredible for 4.5 million. And captain, I mean, it's going to be a City player. It's most likely going to be Sterling. Um yeah, it's going to be Sterling. I was going to say I might captain De Bruyne, but I won't. I'm going to captain Sterling. So, Josh, can you run over the, the leagues quickly, please? Yeah, of course. Um, so the FPL Surgery Podcast League um, in fifth place is uh, Megamind Banderi. Fourth place is Sean McCall. Uh, third place is Jamie Dean. Second is Bora Pilipovic. And first is Darren Axton. And then the um, FPL Surgery Patreon League. Um, fifth uh, knocked off top spot is Jonathan Truelove. Fourth is Callum Jacobs. Third is James Young. Uh, second is Jonathan Erez. And first is Carlos Carranza. They've got massive points as well, haven't they? The guy top of the Darren, who's top of the main league, 246 points. Yeah, but you've got to think how many players there are in that league. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the chance still, of winning it is still. like crazy. It's mental. It's mental. Um, it's just, but never, never mind. Never mind. Eh? Um, so, Luke, if you can go through your three best picks for game week four, then, please. KDB, I think they're going to bounce back against a team that don't appear to like defending. So on pens, very creative. Um, everybody's out, so he shouldn't have a rest. Um, so he's number one for me. I should just captain him on the basis of that, given that Salah's not even on my list. Um, number two, Mane. I think the he he looked amazing on uh, yesterday evening. Um, so he he looked on fire. So I I like Mane. Um, and number three is Ings, just purely because of that West Brom fixture. I think he could get easily get a brace. So that's that's my three picks. I'd love to have all three of them. I've only actually got one of them in my team. Brilliant. And your differential picks. Now, you Neil last week had some, he had more pay, for example, and we laughed at his picks. So you've got some, uh, yeah, you've got some lofty heights to match. Um, so who are your differentials? <laughs> well, uh, Mares, very low owned. I was really quite surprised at how low owned he is. Um, I mean, his goal was brilliant. So he, he's in. Um Interesting. So actually, I was quite surprised. I probably should have gone for Rashford. Actually, he's got less ownership than Greenwood at the moment, bizarrely about six and six point five respectively. But I Greenwood scored a really, really good goal in in the game at the weekend, which was chalked off for another silly referee decision from memory. Um, and I just think he's got a brace in him very, very soon because he got rested in that first game. We've got the rumours of Sancho. He needs to be proving himself. So I think he could really be a dark horse. Um, and then everybody's pre-season darling, um, Mr. Armstrong at um, Saints, who was in most of the Twitter teams that I saw along with ASM, so Saint Maximum, mm-hmm. um, he's 0.2% owned at the moment. 
and he played 90 and he's playing West Brom. So uh, an attacking front three player playing probably the worst defence in the league. Um, I don't think you can get more ultra differential than 0.2% no. owned. So, yeah, I'm going to put some money on him as well to score. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a major differential as well. I really like those. So, yeah, we keep an eye on those at the weekend. So please help support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash FPL surgery. Please join the FPL Surgery Podcast League. That code is 439HW9. That code again, 439HW9. Check us out at fplsurgery.com. Find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, Reddit and Twitter at FPL Surgery. You can subscribe on iTunes and please remember to rate the podcast five stars or you can email us fplsurgerypodcast at gmail.com. Now that email address has changed. So it's fplsurgerypodcast at gmail.com. So Luke, Thank you so much for coming on this week. I mean, where can our listeners find you on on Twitter, etc.? So um, I'm FPL underscore equation on Twitter. That's that's where you'll mostly find me. I'm in a few Facebook groups and also run quite a big Sky League setup thing as well. But that, that's that's on Facebook as well. So really Twitter and Facebook. Brilliant. No, and also thanks. Thanks for coming on today. I mean, you've maybe questioned my strategy of going with three big hitters, you know, to start game week one. I mean, maybe I should have been looking at players like Bamford, those players that will rise like Pookie last year, for example. It's nice to hear uh, from someone with a plan, isn't it? <laughs> it might not work. <laughs> Are you saying we don't have a plan, Josh? <laughs> well, you know, plans What's... out the window after last week. Well, our plans were to wildcard early. And no, I know, they were, you're we've, right. We, we've, we've done that, so that's it, isn't it? That's our plan executed to absolute disaster. Onwards and upwards. <laughs> Onwards and upwards, yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks again, Luke. And Josh, you've just got thanks, one Luke. more thing to say. Up the pod. Up the pod. Up the pod. alive is he alive oh, i think he's gone <laughs> there, josh. you can always mute as well josh if you want <laughs> <laughs>